What about the vagrant, then? From the ruined cottage. No, from the same poem we're discussing, Tintern Abbey. What about him? Forgive me, but what about him? I don't understand the question. My dear man, you need to be ready for this kind of textual interrogation. I am. Oh, I am. You're making him feel unwell. It's 1967, and Adham is in London for the first time. He's a young Wordsworth scholar and a newlywed. He was invited to a prestigious English university to give a lecture on his scholarship. He's sitting next to his wife in an office where two British academics are asking his opinions about the poem Tintern Abbey by William Wordsworth. Vagrant dwellers in the house, Miss He soon learns that even though he's away from his hometown in Palestine, Palestine is what the British scholars are hoping he'll talk about. Our friend Adam is in a perfect position to understand. I am? Uh, I don't know how. As Palestinian, uh, a refugee. I see. Your world, where you live. I mean, what's going on now? The Egyptian army building up in the Sinai. Some of that is overblown. And the Israeli generals... Adham is in London for one purpose, to talk about the poems he's worked so hard to master in order to get this rare opportunity. But soon, Palestine becomes impossible to avoid. War breaks out back home, and he's forced to make a choice, to stay in London or to go back home to his family, where uncertainty and suffering are guaranteed. The Vagrant Trilogy is a three-act play now showing at the Public Theater in Manhattan that gives us a window into the impossible decision Adham must make and what each choice will mean for his future. I'm Alana Levinson, and welcome to Unsettled. The Vagrant Trilogy uses a sliding doors motif. I didn't know what that term meant before speaking to the show's playwright, Mona Mansour. It's a narrative device that splits the story into two after a character makes a major decision. In the Vagrant Trilogy, we meet two versions of Adham after he's forced to decide between going home to Palestine or staying in London in 1967. The Adham who stays in London is vain, anxious, and on a never-ending road to making professor at an institution that can't seem to pinpoint why that hasn't happened yet. Whereas the Adham who's chosen to go back to Palestine still ends up exiled. Instead of London, he's stuck in a refugee camp in Lebanon. He's discouraged, angry, and trying to raise two children. The Vagrant Trilogy has been in the making for over a decade now. I had the opportunity to ask Mona Mansour about the process of developing this show. I don't think I set out to, I certainly didn't set out to do a trilogy. And then it, it just sort of happened. I first just wanted to write something that centered Arab characters. And I, I, my father is from Lebanon and left Lebanon in the late 50s. Our home growing up was full of news and reverberations from the Lebanese Civil War. So, so there, were, there were things that I knew were happening obviously halfway across the world. Um, and of course, the question of Palestine often came up as being a huge piece in that narrative. And my father's village is this small village called Miyumiye that when I tell people the village, the name of the village, they, unless they kind of really know Lebanon, they often say, oh, you mean the camp? And I'm like, no, no, I mean, he's, yes, there's a camp there, but I mean, I mean, he's from the village. Something in that compelled me, and uh, I started to do all this 
research the 67 war and, you know, sort of what life would be like after 48, before 67, if you're Palestinian. We Palestinians, we've been here in these camps since 1948, 67, waiting to go home. And we will. Maybe not you and me, but Jamila, it will happen. Because I was trying to understand, like, what, what is it to sort of grow up and have areas that are off limits, right? Or to have in your childhood, say, a displacement. You've been di displaced in 48, and now you're in another part of this contiguous landmass there. And so you're in this other area. Does it feel like you're on shaky ground? What is it like to feel like you're on shaky ground in your childhood and to have a parent who had to grab you and leave? And so that became the Adham that I started to get to know. person I had created in the first play was somebody who was like, listen, my mother wanted me to get out. The last thing she wants me to do is go back into a country that's at war. But nobody is prescient. Nobody knows what's going to happen when you make these decisions. And it became this, I wouldn't call it a multiverse, but it's this alternate reality, like hinging on this decision he makes at 23 in London in an apartment when war is happening. wondering about the roles of this poetry in the, in the show and the specific poems you chose. How did, how did they come to play a role? Somehow this character of Adam and, and the, the, the juxtaposition of someone with a quote, great mind, um, being in a refugee camp, um, just worked from the beginning. And then somehow the, I don't quite know how the Wordsworth came in, except that it was a poem I loved. And if you look at Tintern Abbey, right, it's, it's really about the return. One could read Tintern Abbey, one could read some of the works of Wordsworth and say, well, really, it's all this great landscape, but then it's, it makes an imprint and you don't need to be with it anymore. And you could see Adham unconsciously trying to help himself heal, right, from this break with Homeland. The Palestinian camps are half an hour away from my house, where I'm from. So it's not, to me, I'm not telling a story, I feel. Hadi Tabal plays Adham in the Vagrant Trilogy. Like Mona, Hadi is Lebanese. Hadi actually grew up in Lebanon and moved to the U.S. later in life. There's a lot about Adham he identifies with. So half my childhood was actively in a civil war, which I was born in, and the other half was in a post-war Lebanon. So um, a, lot of, a lot of this piece, a lot of the politics and the, this, and the sensory reality of this piece, is, is, a lot of it is very much in me, I feel. It's in my DNA as someone who grew up in a war, you know. I somehow understand, I feel like I understand Adham because of my grandparents and my parents. And, you know, there's this like nostalgic idea about Lebanon in the 50s and in the 60s and, and you know, Paris of the Middle East and the what could have been is very much part of our reality and very much part of Adham's reality. And I think very much part of my, my heritage. 
Yeah, the what could have been um, is maybe what hit me the most watching this play. Because in part two, it seemed like the choice was either be selfish at the expense of, of thinking about Palestine, thinking about the national movement, thinking about family who are still suffering at home. But then in part three, and in, in when he chooses to go back, he chooses Palestine, it seems like he has to subdue himself, that he has to pu push himself down um, in order to keep the, the dream of Palestine as a reality, as something that he can continue to, to pursue. And I'm, I'm wondering how, if, how you relate to that. That is kind of precisely what this, what the inevitability of, of, of this choice situation is, right? Um, I mean, there's a little hint about choice at the beginning of the play in the prologue where we're talking to the audience and, you know, I do say choice implies you have agency. And there is something about uh, the the privilege of choice. Um, and, 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 and you're absolutely right. There is something about both choice, both options that doesn't go well for Edham because the loss is big either way. In the second play where he decides to stay in London, as you said, he has to, in order to survive, you have to disconnect from the thing that you left behind. And he not only disconnects in his personal life, as an academic, he decides to only go through the decontextualized route of literary criticism, which is the headiest part of the play, but also is a beautiful metaphor. He is a Wordsworth scholar who is an expert at what one would call close reading. Close reading is a school of thought in literary criticism where you read the text, but you don't really have, you are not given who wrote it or when it was written or any historical context about the piece so that you can really see it through its purity in a way. And Edham is an avid, avid close reader and refuses to contextualize his criticism. But that is a metaphor to his refusal to contextualize himself as a Palestinian. But the fact that he cannot contextualize, he doesn't want to contextualize himself as a Palestinian is what ends up breaking him. There was one thing. He said something about post-colonialism. No, well, sure, they want that. They well, always why, will. Why, 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 why? It's sexy to them. They want it as part of your MO. That's ridiculous. It's not part of my pedagogy. Darling. In order to survive, he has to decontextualize. But when you decontextualize, you lose sense of who you are to others. And, and also, you are not... Uh, interesting to others, especially a Western, a Western institution that actually wants him to be Palestinian, that wants him to be the Palestinian, right? So you're kind of stuck in exile within yourself because you're displaced. And then in the third play, he decides to go with family. And I think Adam deep down might be happiest in terms of community in the last play, except that he lives in a shack and that his dreams have all been shattered. And he, you know, and that he has wasted it, wasted the opportunity. He had to trample on what could have been, right? And what the only thing that keeps you alive in situations like this is the possibility that you will go back one day. Because if you've done all this and don't think you'll go back, you cannot survive. There is no way you can. It's interesting that this play is coming at a moment of, of mass displacement, one that the world is thinking a lot about, and I'm referring to Ukraine, 
Um, and and I think I think a lot about how um, Ukraine gets headlines and stories and lots of attention, and maybe on a, on a lesser scale, but things like these tragedies happen in Palestine all the time. Do, do you hope that that people who come to this show will make that connection to you? Do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. There is this notion that like, that the humanity aspect of something is separate from the political aspect of something. But to be honest, just just referring to what you just said, our humanity when it comes to the Ukraine versus our humanity when it comes to Palestine is political. Humanity and our proclivity for being humane or for feeling empathy is always political. And, and yes, somehow these things have been happening, are still happening to Palestinians day and night. They are happening in Yemen every day and no one cares. And you know, they happen in Ukraine, we should care, but also, we do care about some people more than others. And, and maybe, maybe you know, the, 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 because the Ukraine crisis is in our psyche, um, I don't know, maybe when people hear the news and feel devastated by what's happening with the Ukraine, I think some of them might make the connection and some of them might still be unable to see the difference. There, I don't think it will work for everyone. I do believe there are people who will feel inclined to sponsor Ukrainians right now to come to the US and we'll see this play and kind of go, I don't know, yeah, it's complicated. Which I've heard. You heard me discuss the role of poetry with Mona Mansour. I asked Hadi about how he feels about the role of poetry too. Before Hadi's answer, Listen to a few lines of William Wordsworth's The Ruined Cottage, one of the poems Adham teaches. He had received a precious gift, for as he grew in years, with these impressions would he still compare all his remembrances, thoughts, shapes, and forms, and being still unsatisfied with aught of dimmer character. You know, my wife has seen the show several times in D.C. and she saw it in Kentucky years ago, the first part. And and she was like, you know, this production, I really felt the poetry. I really got it. Maybe because she's seen it a few times or maybe we've become better actors or this is a better production. But the juxtaposition of, of a poem by Wordsworth, who is a British poet laureate, a romantic poet who is in the canon of the empire's literature. The juxtaposition of that with an aspiring Palestinian academic is just fabulous in the play. I think for me, that is the heart of what makes, especially the second play out in the trilogy, really emotionally gripping. Because the romantics wrote about place, particularly, in in a way where, which we explain in the play, in a way where you don't have to be somewhere in order to feel it. You can recreate in tranquility the emotions that come with having been in that place so that you transcend the place itself. And it's no coincidence that Adam, as a Palestinian who has lost his home, is consciously and subconsciously attracted to poetry. There's a lot of privilege in being a poet about the landscape. 
And that's the privilege that Adam is trying to lean into, but it doesn't work. The, the last play deals very much with um, Adam's relationship with his daughter, Jamila. And Jamila reminds the audience very much of Adam um, when, when he was younger. And she's very bright-eyed and she dreams um, and she's very smart. You get the sense a bit, I got the sense a bit that Adam might wanna protect her from her own dreams. And it struck me that so much about either national movements or immigrant experiences have the next generation in mind. If I have to suffer, it will be for the next generation. Um, and it, this felt like it twisted that sort of common narrative of one generation made, maybe needing to save the other generation from their aspirations. It's very hard to connect the dots in Adam because you hate the way he treats his daughter, but he also understands why. I think the, this father figure who's in despair and depressed is one jealous of his daughter. But I also think he wants to protect her. But I also think he doesn't want to accept the fact that we are never gonna go back and therefore you should pursue other things because it will be too hard for him to swallow that. He also is going to miss her. And he also is trying to explain to her what has happened with him without capitulating so that maybe it will help her or will temper her because he's afraid of her. I mean, so much is happening in just three pages at the end of the play that at a certain, you kind of have to just know all these and all these are happening. And it's interesting because yes, as you said, in the, let's say you know, immigrants come to the US, they build things from the ground up so that their kids have, can have a better future. And here you have a father who's kind of dampening his daughter's dreams because he doesn't have the luxury of place to go to. If he was, you know, if they were going to go back to Palestine, maybe he would have said, yes, go get an education. And then you can, you know, teach at, I don't know, Birzeit or whatever. But we don't, they don't have that luxury. It is no easy task to make theater about Palestine, and especially for it to be supported by a big institution. I asked playwright Mona Mansour about that. We have actually talked about the challenges of, um, of, of doing theater about Palestine on the show before. And so I'm wondering um, if you encountered um, any, any difficulty in, in making this show. Um, we've seen and we've seen theaters shy away or or be actively hostile to to theater about Palestine, including at places like the public. Well, as the playwright, let's just say no one's ever said to me, we're not going to do your play because it has the word Palestine in it. But I don't think they would be that overt. I believe that there is pressure, right? You have um, pressure from sometimes within an institution, sometimes outside of an institution. And you know, to put in really blunt terms, if there's somebody who's like, well, I'm not going to work with that writer because, you know, she's written about Palestine. Well, 
that's probably not somebody I want to work with anyway, right? Because um, my job is to examine the human experience. And if you're going to eliminate a type of human from my palette, if you want to just not see those human beings out on stages or on film, then probably you and I aren't going to be a good fit anyway. You know, I think that, um, I mean, one of the great things about the public is I think they have talked about projects that didn't happen, right? Um, and the cast, I think, felt this pressure, right? It's like, my God, you got to do this. And it, it's both good and bad. Like, it's, 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 you also have to kind of let that go and say, you know, this is, this is just a play. It's like both just a play and not just a play all at once. You know, because you just have to do the work of what what is this one scene that we have in front of us and maybe not think about that enormity, right, of it shouldn't be a big deal that this is not something we see very often, but it is. And I think we have to be critical of institutions who are like scuttling projects that don't allow people to have these conversations. accept it as theater makers, it, we should take on this mantle of how do we redefine space? How do we redefine like what it is to sit together and what kinds of communion are available as I sit in a theater with people I may not ever want to be at a dinner party with. And I think we get it wrong if we think that everyone's gonna get along or that all those people should be at the same dinner party and we should program in that way. To spend time with a Palestinian family for three hours is I guess my offering to this conversation. And if someone says, well, I don't want that and that shouldn't be seen, I think that says quite a lot about the person who's saying that, right? And I don't know someone who might be saying that why are you in the arts then? And what, how, do, how are the arts functioning for us? The Vagrant Trilogy is written by Mona Mansour and directed by Mark Wing Davey. It's showing at the Public Theater through May 15th. A previous episode that looks at theater, performance, and Palestine is called Cultural Resistance. You can find it on our podcast feed or at unsettledpod.com. Unsettled is produced by Emily Bell, Max Friedman, and me, Alana Levinson. This episode was produced by Emily Bell and me. Our theme music is by Nat Rosenzweig, with additional music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. The clips you heard from the Vagrant Trilogy are courtesy of the Public Theater. <laughs>